The killer is distanced, preparing a wide berth from his victims and holding a similar philosophical viewpoint in that nothing really matters. This outlook is bleak. Ideas are dry and cynical. Nihilism predominates. He looks at people and things in terms of figures and statistics. The result of drilled and repeated mantras he has come to believe. It all comes down to preparation, attention to detail, redundancies, redundancies, and redundancies. Life is redundant. What he does is superfluous, unnecessary, a series of unconnected events with no personal investment. He has convinced himself of the need to be nothing, trying to disappear and not leave a trace. His conscious mind has been trained to believe in certain absolute truths. It's as if his isolated profession gives a chance to remain stuck in his mind, to continue convincing himself of the same worn out ideas. Contrivances of logic, completely without bias, partiality, or subjectivity. Contrary to expectations though, he pays attention to friends greeting each other on the street, a lady giving milk to a cat, a couple making love. He longingly stares at other people living their lives while he sits alone in a desolate building. Is it possible that he desires something different, other than this stale truth he has convinced himself of? If I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. I don't give a fuck. Shortly after he speaks this line, he misses his shot and the story is flipped on its head. And due to this fact, this is where we begin the psychic primacy of the killer. The question becomes, how does this overly emphasized line about not giving a fuck relate to him not hitting his target? Why did he really miss? What actually happened here? For a man who is so well trained, so precise, so in tune with his mission, why was he not able to complete this act? It's because even though the conscious mind thinks it's in control and in the driver's seat, the unconscious mind is the one which reigns supreme. That despite our best intentions and wishes, Despite what we try to convince ourselves of, there is a deeper, more profound part of ourselves that is ready to rebel against those wishes at any moment. Luck isn't real, nor is karma, or sadly, justice. As much as I'd like to pretend these concepts exist, they just don't. He is dedicated to the extremely calculated plans of his conscious mind the part of us that thinks it can direct everything, dictating results and outcomes. This dedication is why he doesn't believe in fate, justice, or karma. To the conscious dictator, those ideas are just make-believe, children's stories, but they might also be descriptions of experiences, experiences which prove that we have far less control over our life path than we think. When the killer's girlfriend is found brutally beaten and in the hospital, the once uncaring, unempathetic man has changed. 
He now cares. He is now involved. He runs through the hospital like a frightened civilian. She is there as a result of the missed shot. But why did he miss? Did he secretly want this to happen? He is slowly revealed to care about more than just his girlfriend, as his mind is slowly turning on him. He's no longer the man of redundancies, of repetition and planning. He is becoming one of spontaneous action, making decisions in the moment, making judgment calls about the lives of others. Stick to the plan. Anticipate, don't improvise. What is the plan though? Does he really know where this is headed? Is he really able to anticipate it all? The plan to hold no empathy is also failing, as he allows the taxi driver to smoke a cigarette, hesitating to kill him, even if it is for a split second. Emotions he told himself he wouldn't have are slowly starting to creep in, insidiously making their way into his body without conscious permission. Good God. What could you possibly be thinking coming here? Well, perhaps he isn't thinking. Maybe the killer isn't plotting much at all. Why is he putting himself in jeopardy? Why is he turning away from logic? From the fact that he has the money and means to disappear and never be seen again? We could argue it's about his girlfriend. It's about revenge. But it seems bigger than that. It's as if this is what he wanted all along. Looking for some greater purpose beyond his narrowly confined conceptions. He has desired to possess importance, to be making real choices and going against the common route. His heart rate continues to rise as he is becoming more involved, pulled by a strange force. Fight only the battle you're paid to fight. Who is paying him now? What fight is he being compensated for? And as we ask this, Empathy continues to grow as he makes Dolores' death look like an accident so that her body can be found by her family. These are not the actions of a cold-blooded, detached killer. They are the result of an entity which opposes the narrating voice in his head. Even I have to remind myself, the only life path is the one behind you. But his current path is undetermined, uncertain and without an endpoint in sight. The past is a thing of history, as he is operating outside of his regular conditioning. The future seems much more significant than anything which had previously occurred. How's I don't give a fuck going? He is noticing his contradictions, his inability to stick to his code, to remain within prescribed orders. He goes into the Bruce house and nearly has himself killed by the man and his dog. It could have been all avoided by torching the place from the beginning. He could have easily drugged the dog to death, but for some reason, he did not. It's as if he wants to risk his life. He wants to take the chance. He wants to go against previous ideas of living methodically and without fault. It's the power of the unconscious mind taking a hold of us and motivating us in ways that our intentions try to deny. 
bringing us towards something which more resembles a life process, a place in which we are involved and connected to uncontrollable and unplanned powers. You're not really out here for the hunting, are you? The story of the bear and the hunter is a direct reference to the workings of the unconscious psyche. The killer believes he is after one thing, when in fact, his actions indicate the contrary, proving that he is searching for something beyond his awareness. The expert sees it as strange that he is meeting her at this restaurant and putting himself at risk. He even takes a drink of whiskey, something which easily could have given the expert an advantage. Leave no loose ends, nothing to dangle. Sayonara, North America. But the client is a loose end. The killer leaves the businessman brimming with fear, but alive, having seen his face and hearing his voice, yielding his advantage. The plan was to be the killer, but he instead acted spontaneously and in the moment. He improvised. He failed to stick to the schedule, making yet another strange choice, what could be considered a rookie mistake. All his training and conditioning was for naught as deeper-rooted instincts kicked in. He returns home to his girlfriend and makes an espresso. His conscious mind desired a life of safety and security, one in which he and his beauty sit by the sand and relax until death, caring about nothing, letting all worries pass and drift by his sleeping head. But underneath his glasses, we see a hyper-vigilant stare and the twitch of an eye. It brings us back to the psychic primacy of the film in that his unconscious mind has sabotaged his well-crafted plans. He has been made to care, to actually give a fuck. He leaves pieces dangling, robbing himself of the certainty which most of the characters in the film seek out. Fate is a placebo. behind you. On the contrary, ideas of safety and security are the actual placebos. The life path behind us doesn't matter at all. And fate, the development of outcomes beyond our conscious will, is the only real life path. The fantasy of no worries and relaxing into oblivion was destroyed. A part of himself couldn't accept what the elite few try to attain by selling their souls. The unconscious mind had its own plans. It craves something to live for, something to be concerned with, a reason to exist. The killer becomes one of the many who decide they cannot accept the ridiculous premises laid forth during the entire film. He listens to the ticking of the clock, continuing to stay on edge, on watch and involved, despite his conscious mind's best intentions to remove all worries. Thank you for experiencing this episode of Psychic Primacy. Be on the lookout for more episodes in the series coming soon.